Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. This morning, I want to finish up our series uh, that we've been doing called Rumble Strip. Uh, you guys are getting sick of this series? Everybody about done with the Rumble Strip? Uh, I hope not, because you're going to hear it today. So one more time, I want to preach to you a message called Road Trip Pray- Playlist. Road Trip Playlist. One of the most important things about a road trip is that you have a good playlist. Can I get an amen for that? Um, you know, I think in, throughout this series, we've been talking about how no one actually desires to wreck their life. But I think a lot of times in life and in cars, we get into wrecks. It's, it happens, and if you're a bad driver, um, then it happens more often than others. But accidents happen all the time. We wreck cars and we wreck lives. And so it's not enough to plan to not wreck your car. You need to plan on how you're not going to wreck your car. For instance, we need rumble strips on the road, and we need guardrails, and I also plan to wear a seatbelt, and I also plan to not text and drive and be distracted in Jesus' name. My wife has given me a look, pray for me, that I uh, can have the strength to not do that ever again. But it's not enough to plan not to wreck your life. You actually have to put a plan in place on how you're not going to wreck your life. And so that's what this series has is, is been about. We're coming up with a game plan on how not to wreck my lives. And I know myself, and I need a plan on how I'm not going to wreck my finances, or I'll just do whatever comes natural in the moment. I need a plan on, on how, not, how not to wreck my marriage. I need a plan on how not to wreck um, every other area of my life, including my relationship with God. I need to set out a plan, because um, when I was doing youth ministry, we always used to Tell teens, if you don't have a plan going into a relationship, you'll always fall towards compromise. If you don't have a plan going into um, hanging out with your friends, if there's temptation, you'll always fall towards the side of temptation unless you have a plan beforehand set in place. I have these convictions. And this game plan in our life, we've been calling a rumble strip. And we talked about our inner rumble strip, that voice, our conscience that's constantly rumbling us and that we need to lean into and listen to. We talked uh, last week about our external rumble strip, about how people, God puts people in our lives to rumble us. Um, and if we hang out with the wrong people, we end up in the wrong places. And if we hang out with the wrong people, they rumble the wrong things. Things that God actually wants for our life, they end up rumbling and uh, telling us we shouldn't do. They say things like, oh, you, you owe it to yourself and follow your heart, and, which is not scriptural. We don't need to go into that. That's a different subject. It's a different sermon, a different day. But we find it hard to listen to the rumble strip sometimes. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves this morning, we've all gone through situations where we did not listen to the rumble strip and we get ourselves into situations that, that we regret. But the good news that I have for you this morning is Jesus sent you a helper to help you stay on track. And it's the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls him the helper. And Jesus sent you this Holy Spirit to help you to stay in your lane and stay on track with what God has for you. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is the fact that we need help. And life is a highway and it's tough to drive on it safely. So Jesus sent us a helper in the car of life. How many of you have a helper in your car? Uh, My wife is my helper in the car. Anybody else have a helper that likes to help you stay in your lane even when you didn't? No, you needed to. Um, She's there. But in life, we truly need a helper to help us stay in the lane that God has for us. And Paul talks in Ephesians chapter 5 about God's will. We're going to kind of tie up the rest of these these, uh, verses that we've been focusing on in Ephesians today. And so verse 17, um, he talks about God's will. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will 
is. And one of the most common questions I get asked as a pastor is, is uh, Pastor Brandt, what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? And usually um, the answer I'll give goes, is, starts out something like, I think you already know what God's will for your life is. He's already spoken to you about it. But when we think about what God's will for our life is, um, we, we think of things like, oh, where should I work? Where should I move? Where should I go to school? Should I use Crest or Colgate? I don't know. What's God's will for my life? And it always ties into what we do. And I think God's will is, is, pretty, is, pretty, um, is pretty easy to see in the Scripture, to love God and to love people with all your heart, right? And love people, your neighbor as yourself. And so Jesus gave us these commandments, and that's what he calls us to do. But I think God's will for you is more about who you're becoming than what you're doing. God cares more about who than the do. And we get so tied up in what's God want me to do? And look, I want to do something special. I want to be important. I want to, I want to make a difference. I want, and these are all good ambitions, but I don't remember in the scripture where it says we're going to get to heaven someday and Jesus is going to say, well done, good and important servant. He says, well done, good and faithful servant, because he cares more about who you are than what you're doing. And I know that's, that's opposite to some, to some um, cultural, cultural ideas that we live in, but I think that the Spirit will not always tell us what God's specific will is for us. Not always. Sometimes, yes. But not always. But He'll always give us the power to do God's revealed will in His Word. And so we, we want to know what his specific will is because we're people. We want to know what's my future. What's God want for me? Am I, I have a calling. What am I going to be doing? Am, am I going to be working here? What's going on? But I think Jesus actually has already given us his will in the scripture, and he wants us to live that out and become who he wants us to be, and then he'll we'll walk into where he wants us to be. But I don't, I don't think it's the most important thing. And I, the question this morning is how is the Holy Spirit going to do that for us? How is the Holy Spirit going to continually through my life along this road um, of life, how is he going to keep me in my lane? And the answer that I have for you this morning is you're going to learn to listen to the rhythm of the Holy Spirit. You're going to learn to listen to the rhythm of this song because life is a highway and what's a good road trip without a playlist? I mean, give me a playlist and some sunflower seeds and I'll drive all day. It doesn't matter. There's something about uh, playlist. Oh, he's creeping on me. I was like, where's Josh? He, he, he needs to hear this. Can I get an amen? I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. Um, I need, uh, he's going to help me in a bit. But this is, I want to read these verses one more time that we've been focusing on in Rumble Strip. It says, this is why it is said. This is Ephesians 5, starting in verse 14. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, as I was studying for this message, uh, Aaron actually sent me a video last week, and there's this part of Route 66 where they had these issues with people speeding all the time and driving recklessly, and so they did something. They were very creative, and they did something interesting where they put these rumble strips in the road itself that if you drive the right speed and in the right place, it plays a song. It's pretty interesting. And so I want to play a video, a short video of that this morning uh, before I move on so you can see what I'm talking about. It's pretty cool.
right, that's enough. Is that cool or what? The thing is, if you're driving where you should and how you should, you'll hear the song. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit is uh, to us in a way. If we're staying in our lane and we're, and we're where God wants us and doing everything he wants us to, we hear a song, a rhythm in our heart that can lead us. And we know when we're getting off of the rumble strip because the, I no longer hear the song and I'm no longer following this rhythm of the Holy Spirit in my heart. Because the rumble strip is two things. We talked about it being a warning that you're moving in the wrong direction. It tells you when you're veering off, when you're drifting, but it's also a rhythm of the Holy Spirit. It's music along the highway. And I think that I need you to understand these two things are not two, but they're one in the same. That there's a, there's a rhythm, there's music on your road trip as part of your rumble strip. It's the music and the rhythm that rises up in your soul to keep you from falling asleep at the wheel. And so we need the Holy Spirit to help us to stay on the road and the path that God has for us. And there's this rhythm that helps us along the way. I don't know if you're like me, but I feel like running on the treadmill is like the closest thing to hell that I'm ever going to experience. I hate it, um, but I, I do it nonetheless. But I, I don't like it. And I fe- and, but I realized something a long time ago is that I can run a certain distance and a certain speed, but if I put on some music in my headphones... I can run harder and farther than I would have before. It's like I get into this rhythm, you know what I'm talking about? Like I put on the Rocky theme song all of a sudden. I'm like running like I'm about to compete for something. I don't know, but all of a sudden something changes in me and there's this motivation that helps me to run farther and harder than I could before. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to put this rhythm in your heart that will help you to run harder and farther than you ever could without it. There's this motivation that comes when you get this rhythm going because music in your mouth will lift your day, but God's melody in your heart will light up your life. And he wants to do something like that. Tim Keller's an author, and, and he wrote these, um, some interesting thing about music. He says that he's spoken with atheists, and they don't believe in God, but listening to music, they, they will admit that there's something tugging on the inside of them, saying there's something more than what I see. And he, uh, he also says it's impossible. It's interesting. I read this. He says it's impossible to commit suicide while listening to the Hallelujah Chorus which is an interesting thought, I thought, so I thought I'd share it. He, he talked to Sonny Bono, actually, and Sonny Bono said hey, the first thing that drew him to God was not preaching, it was actually music that made him see that there's some kind of hope, there's something beyond him that lies within his soul that draw, drew him to God before anything else do. And if you know, um, if you're a fan of music, you know that music can take you, like it does something in your soul right? It can take you back to a place. Do you know that? Like when that one song comes on, you're like, ooh, I remember when I was 18 and I listened to, you know what I'm talking about? You, like sometimes I can't even remember my kids' names, but I can remember like uh, the lyrics of a song from 10 or 20 years ago. Like I, guess, I, I remember the lyrics to Ice Ice Baby. I don't sing that. I don't listen to that song. All right, stop. Hold on, I'm just kidding. I'm not going there. Pastor Brent, that's a secular song. How could you? Um, and you know what? I want to talk to you for a minute about this because I think in church, the word secular, I want to do, just talk about this for a moment, is like a cuss word in church. Has anybody else ever thought that? Because I want you to understand a theological concept this morning I think will help us before I go on to this next thing we're going to do is, is there's three categories of things the way I see it. There's sacred things, there's secular things, and there's profane things. And I think the church has had a misunderstanding of this for a long time, that they've called things that are secular profane when there's actually a difference. 
And I think, I think it's important that we realize that. Like if I say to you this morning, and let me give you a definition for each of those before I do that. But sacred is that which is for or about God. That's sacred thing. That's like church things, okay? Uh, secular is that which is about people, things, and life. Um, and then profane is that which is evil, unproductive, unethical, and ungodly. And I think if we, if we think that everything in life has to be sacred, we miss out on part of life that Jesus actually doesn't, he's not upset that we're living life. And I think the church hasn't understood that uh, through seasons. But if I asked you this morning, what's the best part of waking up? Do you think, and right now I want to ask you, do you think God is in heaven saying, ooh, they're worshiping me? No, because it's not sacred, right? There's nothing sacred about Do you think God is in heaven angry that we know a coffee jingle? I don't think he's angry. I don't think it's profane and it's not sacred. So why would God get angry about us singing a coffee jingle? My other question is, would God get angry? Uh, would he have issues with people singing about love? Because is, is love profane? No, is it's secular, right? It's not. It's not necessary. We can sing about the love of God and and that be sacred. But a lot of songs that we see, you know, secular songs are actually about love, and there's nothing profane about it. It's secular. But I think even secular songs can affect us. They can take us back. I see some of you don't believe me this morning, so we're gonna do something. So go ahead and play that first one. I want to take you back for a moment. Just see where these songs take you. Show you there's something that happens in your soul when you hear something. It takes you to a different place. Oh yeah. Turn it up so I can sing to my wife this morning. She loves it, she can't handle it. All right, let's see the next one. Oh, I got more for you. Just kidding, I'm just playing. What's the next one? I don't even remember. Oh, all right. Some Stevie Wonder. No New Year's Day. Right? All right, what's the next one? <laughs> what's the next one? You know. Oh, okay. I'll let you go for a minute. Go ahead. I know you feel it in your soul already. You're like, I, I can't help myself. I got to sing it. Now this is a story all about how my life got flipped, turned upside down. Right. And I'd like to take a minute, just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. All right, what's the next one? <laughs> See, something's happening in our soul. All right, what's next? Couple more. Ooh, yeah, this is great skate for me. It takes me back to the roller rink. <laughs> All right. I think I have one. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Just one more. Two more? All right, fine. Just do it quick. All right. I bet you cannot, I bet you can't not clap. All right, next one. Last one, last one. This is for you weird people who call country music, all right? So, I'm just kidding. All right, stop it. The Holy Spirit has left the building. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. 
But can I be honest with you? Is music influences our soul. And I believe that this is a, a comparison I wanted to draw this morning between music and the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit wants to influence your soul. There's an influence that God wants to have over your life that is comparable to music that I think that God wants us to see. You don't think, if you don't think music um, affects you, look at how movie, movie directors use it in movies. You know that tense part of the movie's coming in, but all of a sudden the music gets real tense and you're like on the edge of your seat. Or a romantic part of the movie and that love song comes on and all you girls and Andrew are just crying and you can't help it. You can't hold back the tears. There's something that happens. And you know, the Bible says God created the world with his word. And I just picture in that time, because we see in Revelation that all day and all night around the throne, there's angels that are worshiping him and singing this, this song, holy, 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 worthy, 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 and there's worship always taking place. I just think that as he's creating the world, there was probably worship happening all around him. And when we hear music and we worship, it takes us back to a place where we remember that God created everything and he's still in control. And then I, I think when we, when we think about where where we're going and what's coming for the future when all creation um, will be returned to him. I think music draws us back to that and worship draws us back to that place where we think everything's going to be okay in the end. In the end, we win. Jesus is on the throne. There's something about music and worship that does something in our soul. And I think music is meant to do something for your soul today. And not just music that we listen to, but a rhythm in your heart that the Holy Spirit wants you to know that you're headed in the right direction if you have the Holy Spirit on board with you. He wants to know you're headed in the right direction and this rhythm in your heart is led by the Spirit of God and it influences you like music. When, I, when I'm supposed to go left, I go left. When I'm supposed to go right, I go right and I can run harder and faster than I would have without the Holy Spirit. And he wants to influence our life. And Paul, he does something interesting. He compares it in this way. He says, it's kind of like getting drunk. Paul, that's secular of you. I wouldn't have said that. But Paul is trying to show us something. He wants to show us a sacred truth based on a secular thing. Because this is, isn't it seem random that Paul brings up like getting drunk on wine in this verse? I think he's trying to show us something. He says, don't get drunk on wine, get filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I think he's trying to say that the that um, it's important that he we understand that what Paul is saying here is things that people are trying to get by getting drunk, the Holy Spirit actually gives them. The very thing that you're trying to get by getting drunk, by being filled with the Spirit, you're getting what people who are getting drunk are trying to get. Does that make sense? And, and it's important to understand this and understand that when people are getting drunk, they're trying to get courage and happiness. Right? I mean, we call it liquid courage. Courage and they're trying to find some sort of happiness, sometimes going through something, sometimes dealing with some internal pain. There's, there's something they're looking for. And it's important to understand with Paul's comparison that the Holy Spirit and alcohol, which is also known as spirits, the Holy Spirit and spirits influence you. And so he's trying to draw this comparison. I don't think so much he's, he's necessarily saying um, he wanted to preach a sermon on alcohol. I think he's trying to draw a comparison. And I know none of you have ever been drunk because this is church, right? So um, that was sarcasm. But, um, but I want you to know this morning that there's important things that we can draw out of this because um, they, that's why they call being drunk under the influence. And so Paul is trying to show you something about the influence of the Holy Spirit. He's saying to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit, not be under the influence of alcohol. And the Holy Spirit is, 
is much different but the same in some ways. And that's why I think Paul uses it here. The, the alcohol that we know of is called liquid courage, right? And you know why? It's because it lowers your inhibitions. It doesn't remove your problems. It doesn't, it doesn't um, take away your problems. The next morning you wake up and have the same problems, but for that moment it numbs your problems. It, it numbs your senses, and this is different than the Holy Spirit um, because when, when you have the Holy Spirit, it doesn't numb your, your senses, it actually heightens your senses. And it's like, uh, it's like Peter Parker, but without the spandex. I mean, God it wants to heighten your senses, and he wants you to, he doesn't, you don't have less control over yourself. With, if you're drinking, you have less control over yourself, and it dulls your senses. That's why people, you cannot drink and drive, right? Because you don't have control over your senses like you normally would when you're not under the influence. But under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it heightens your senses. And you can actually... Um, do things that you couldn't do before. The fruit, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. So you don't lose control under the influence of the Holy Spirit like you do under the influence of alcohol. You get more control under the influence of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't dull your senses. It heightens your senses. Are you all following me so far? That means if I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit, instead of shooting my mouth off in the moment, I have self-control and I can actually love someone and, and speak sober-mindedly because I have a heightened sense of what God wants me to do to keep this rhythm going in my heart and not veer off because I'm angry or things are going on in my life. I have a heightened sense of awareness. Um, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, there's a story that I think relates to this. Gehazi, he, it's, this, it's this guy, he's scared because the soldiers are coming to kill him and Elijah. Let's read it. It says, Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So in this moment, I think that Elisha could have just given him a bottle of liquor, right? It would have numbed his senses. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have cared so much. Um, he wouldn't have seen what he, he wouldn't have, he was lowered his inhibitions. He wouldn't have seen what he saw before and not been as worried. But instead, he prays God reveal something to him through the Holy Spirit. You see what the Holy Spirit does? It doesn't hide things from your senses. It heightens them and shows you things that only God God can see um, through the Holy Spirit. So it actually shows you things that are invisible. And if you can see the invisible, then you can do the impossible. Can I get an amen this morning? The Holy Spirit, he delivers this true courage and happiness that people who are getting drunk are trying to get. That's why on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, um, do you remember Peter, the same guy who, uh, who denied Jesus three times? He preached a sermon who saved 3,000 people on that day. All of a sudden, there's this courage that came over him, right? And the people all around, they said, these people are drunk. Why? Because they saw true courage and happiness, and they thought they're under the influence of alcohol, and they said, this is not the influence of alcohol. This is the influence of the Holy Spirit um, that was promised. And so they, they came under the influence of that because they saw true courage and joy. They saw what people who were getting drunk were trying to get. And you know what the beautiful thing about getting under the influence of the Holy Spirit is? There's, there's no hangover. There's no regret in the morning. I don't, have to, I don't have to wake up wondering what foolish things I did last night. Because you know why? My second point, my first one, in case you're taking notes, I should have told you because I know how OCD I am about notes. Being filled with the Spirit is getting what people getting drunk are trying to get. That's the first one. And the second is we make foolish decisions when we look for what's already ours. 
You see, we have a, when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ and we're filled with his Holy Spirit, then we already have everything needed for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. Okay, I have everything I need, but yet we still go looking in things like drugs and alcohol and things like gambling and things like shopping and just to, things like uh, sleeping around, whatever gives me that dopamine hit in the moment because I'm looking for something. But it's foolish to, under, to think that we need to do that. And we've all made foolish decisions looking for something that God has already provided for us through relationship with him. You know why I don't usually take an Uber or a Lyft? Because I have a car. What do I need to take an Uber or a Lyft for? But in the same way, I think sometimes we, we have everything we need in Christ, but we're still going out, shopping around, and looking for something else that we think we need when Christ has given us everything we need for life and godliness in him. So why are you renting happiness from other things that don't deliver anyways? You know, I think we drift along the road of life when we're driving along and all of a sudden we think we need something else and we veer to the right or the left and we're no longer in the right place going the right speed and hearing that rhythm of God in our heart. And I think it it happens to a lot of us and we veer off course of what God has for us. The third point that I have for you is the Holy Spirit isn't a force to be conjured, but a friend to be cultivated. How many of you, um, I think in church we, (laughs) a lot of times we've, we've come up with this idea that the Holy Spirit is like weird and creepy. Have you ever met a creepy Christian? Can I just see your hands if you've, how many met a creepy Christian? If your hand's not up, you might be that person, okay? So just put your hand up real quick so everyone can see. But the, I think the abuse of the Holy Spirit that we need to realize this morning is not just fanaticism. That I think if you've been around charismatic church for a while, you've seen some fanaticism with the Holy Spirit before. You've witnessed that. I don't think that's the only abuse. I think another abuse is the neglect of the Holy Spirit and acting like we don't need the Holy Spirit in our life and I don't need to operate in, in the power that God has provided for me. I think that it's important that we understand that is also abuse, the neglect of the Holy Spirit. We cultivate a friendship with the Holy Spirit and it's natural and effortless. So how do I listen to the Holy Spirit, Pastor Brian? How do I get in this rhythm that you're talking about? And it's kind of like when I dance with my little girls. Like if I, if I dance with my little girls, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll have them stand on my feet. You ever done that? And then as I move, they have no choice. They're just moving with me, and we're in the same rhythm, and it looks like we can actually dance when we cannot dance. But there's something about that that I think the Holy Spirit wants us to do. He's saying, I want you to to stand on my feet and move when I move. And in the rhythm that I'm taking you, I want you to go back and forth, and I want to do some things in your life, but you, you have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead in that moment. And you start moving, and you listen to this rhythm that God starts doing in your heart. If you want some practical advice uh, how to do this this week, a couple of things maybe that you can do to start listening to uh, the rhythm of the Holy Spirit is let's, what Paul said in verse 20. He says, here's a practical thing. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. You want some practical advice this week to start listening to the rhythm of God and start moving as he's moving? Start practicing gratitude with God, with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, with, the, with your coworkers, with that boss that drives you nuts, just start practicing some gratitude and watch the Holy Spirit start to sing as you carve out room for him to speak in your life. Another way, a practical thing, and this is very churchy of me to say, but it's so true, is stay engaged in God's word. Stay engaged in God's word. You want to hear from the Holy Spirit? Um, well, Pastor Brent, should I listen to the Holy Spirit or should I read the word? Yes. Yes, exactly. 
Both. Because um, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would bring into remembrance everything that I have said to you. So how can he bring something to remembrance if you don't have the word in you? You see, they work hand in hand, and you have to have both the spirit and the word of God. Because if you, if you don't have the word of God, you're going to get off into, and you just, you're just spiritual. You're going to get off into this spiritual fanaticism that we see in our culture today. You're going to start uh, saying things like, God is in everything, and I'm God, and I'm, I'm a being of light in this weird stuff. It sounds spiritual, but it's not scriptural at all. But if you get off in just knowing the word, but having no spirit, you can get stuck in legalism like the Pharisees did. And they knew the letter of the law, but they didn't know the spirit of the law. So we got to have both. You got to have the spirit of God and the word of God operating in unison with one another, and they will never contradict each other. But without the word, what will the spirit bring to remembrance? You know what else is interesting about this is alcohol, um, and the, the illustration that, that Paul gave, alcohol makes you forget. The Holy Spirit wants to help you remember. I want to get under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Can I get the worship team to come back up? And Josh is going to help me in a minute here. But The last point I have for you this morning is worship is more than singing, but it's not less. Worship is more than singing, but it's not less. And what I mean by that, worship is more than singing. I mean, worship is, should be in every area of your life. It's not just something um, that you do at church when you're singing. It should be in everything you do. Verse 20 said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's the test. Everything you do, can you do it in the name of Jesus Christ? Can you do, I want you, here's a way you can test things before you do them. Could I sing a worship song while I'm doing this? Could I sing a worship song while I'm sending this nasty text message? Could I sing a worship song while I'm talking about this person behind their back? Could I sing a worship song while I'm going to these places that I feel like God doesn't want me in, doing things that I know God has told me in the word he doesn't want me to do? Can I sing a worship song while doing that? Because all of your life is meant to be an act of worship. That means serving. That means uh, at work. That means you're giving. That means the words that come out of your mouth should be an act of worship to God. And so to do these things, we have to understand worship is more than singing, but also it's not less. Worship is very important, and actually singing to the Lord is the, the second most um, given command in Scripture. There are over a hundred times the Bible tells us to sing to God, and the only disciple mentioned more is prayer. God wants us to sing to Him. Verse 19, Paul wrote, Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. God wants us to sing. He wants us to worship him in that way. And I believe we live in a culture where some Christians want to show up after the singing, but can I tell you, you're missing it. There's something about getting in rhythm with other believers that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to all of us and get us in rhythm with each other and with him, and, and we start driving the same speed and moving in the same direction. All of a sudden, there's a beautiful music and a rhythm that's heard throughout this church, and it can ring through to a city just by you just saying, I'm going to engage in worship, and I'm just going to get in rhythm with with the Holy Spirit in that way. What I love about this is we sing to the Lord, but not only that, you know what? He sings to us. I love this uh, story in Luke chapter 15. It's about this, uh, this shepherd and he lost a sheep. And Jesus is telling this as an illustration of what he does with us. And it says the shepherd had a hundred sheep and one strayed off. It says, in that moment when one strayed off, he left the 99 sheep to go after the one who had wandered. 
And then it says, when he found the one, in Luke 15, 5, it says, when he found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. He celebrates and he starts singing because he he found us and he knows us. And I want to join in the song with Jesus and say, you know what? I want to rejoice. If you're singing about me, I want to sing about you, God. I I want to rejoice with you in the song that you're singing. I want to get in rhythm with what you're already doing in my life. And uh, as I was writing this, I started to think about in worship music, a lot of times how the band will stay in rhythm. Our band doesn't use, use this tactic because we try and be led by the Holy Spirit and it kind of locks you into something. But Josh is going to play something. This is called a click track. It's going to mess up what he's doing on his guitar. Or maybe he's going to get in rhythm. You see how he's getting in rhythm? There's a click track, and it could keep the band all playing in the same direction at the same time. Do you know God has installed a click track into his body, the body of Christ, and it's the Holy Spirit, that if we can all hear the same click track and we're all moving to the same beat and the entire body is working together and saying, you know what, I'm going to stay in my lane and you stay in your lane, and we're going to be driven by this rhythm of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can change this city, can change this world if people will just get in line and start going along with this click track that he's playing and the rhythm he's playing in our heart. God has been speaking to you and there's a rhythm that he wants to speak into your heart, but you got to say, all right, God, I'm going to listen. I want to do what you want me to do. Starting today, God, I want to stay in my lane. I want to go the right speed and in the right direction. And if I start to drift, God, I'm going to listen to the rumble strip. I'm going to listen to people around me. I'm going to listen to my conscience is drawing me back into my lane because I want to see you change this city. Father, in the name of Jesus, there's people in this place, God, who need your Holy Spirit. Spirit, Lord. They need, they need to be hear your voice and be on track with what you have for them because the enemy wants them to crash, Lord. And in that same way, I want to see, I want to see you, Lord. I want to see you come into their lives, Jesus. I want to see them hear the rhythm of your Holy Spirit and move into something new. Well, my daughter Emily, she's she's six and she's funny because my kids they'll put on they'll put on headphones and you'll be in the car and and we're listening to one thing on the radio, but they have something else. She has something else playing in her ears, and, and they'll, she, all of a sudden she'll start singing. And it's like, it's kind of like a drunk person singing because we can't hear the music. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever heard a drunk person karaoke? You're like, you ever get, oh, it's happening where I got caught in a restaurant not really realizing it was karaoke night. And really quickly you just say, check please, I'm, it's time for me to go. But my daughter, she'll sing and it's off key and I can't hear the music, but to her with the music she can hear, it sounds great. And she's listening to something that I can't hear and we'll say, Emily, you're singing too loudly. It doesn't sound good. You know what she'll say? I don't care. It doesn't even matter. Like a drunk person, it doesn't even matter. But you know why? Because she can hear something that I can't hear. And she doesn't care. She's not going to march to the beat of her own drummer. She's not going to march to what I want her to march to. She's going to listen to the voice that only she can hear. And she's going to say, you know what? I'm going to march to in the rhythm that that tells me to march in. And I'm going to sing in a way that I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what other people think about it. There's a song in my heart that's going to ring out to the world around me. Holy Spirit, we ask right now in the name of Jesus, come and fill this place with your power. Will you stand up to your feet? 
feet with me this morning. I believe there's some of you that there's a rhythm that God wants to lead you through, and it's time for you to stop making stops along the road and making U-turns. I believe God's word for somebody this morning is no more U-turns. It's time to run faster and harder than you ever could before because the filling of the Holy Spirit. I want to invite our prayer teams up this morning, and if you're here this morning and you and you just need God to do something in your life, you need to stir something up, that rhythm of the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If some of you, you've been looking to every other thing for that endorphin rush, something else. to You're under the influence of something else, and I believe this morning God wants to put you under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And as we worship, I want to invite you up. The prayer teams are going to be up here, and we're going to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I, if you know me, I'm closing. If you know me, you know I don't like, I don't like coffee much. I don't like the taste of coffee. If I'm going to have coffee, I don't like it to taste like coffee. You know what I mean? So if I'm going to make coffee, I basically like bake a cake in the cup. Okay. I put a little of this, a dash of that, anything that doesn't taste like coffee. So when I drink it, it tastes pretty good. It just tastes like sugar. That's the way I like my coffee. But you know what will happen is I'll put all this stuff in and sometimes I'll take my first drink and all that stuff is in there, but I haven't stirred it. Can I tell somebody this morning, God has put something in you and he's already given you everything you need, but we need a stirring of the Holy Spirit. We need to stir up what God has put in us. You need to stir up the gift of God that he's already put in you. And right now, I just want you to worship with me for a couple minutes. And if you need prayer, come up here and let us pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit. But Father, we just pray right now for a stirring in our church. We pray for a stirring of your Holy Spirit in our lives, God, because there's something in us. There's a rhythm that you want us to begin to walk to, God, so that we can perform for you, Lord Jesus. Jesus. I pray for every dry person. I pray for every person that seems feels empty, that they've been turning to other things to be filled up right now in the name of Jesus. We just pray that there's an overflow of your Holy Spirit in this house, in this city, God. We believe that in the last days, you're going to pour out your spirit on all flesh. God, let it be so in this place. Show yourself mighty in the name of Jesus. Let's worship for a couple minutes.